All right, I am in Seoul, South Korea now. I managed to find, it's not the hugest bit in nature in the world, but it's like a small mountain in the middle of Seoul. That these, these parks do seem to pop up sometimes where it's just a, just a huge mountain suddenly in the middle of nowhere that would be impossible to reasonably build on, so they just throw in a park. And this one's kind of nice because it's a little bit long. You can walk along it for a while, but you can still hear traffic, I'm sure, in the distance. I'm looking out at the city, seeing a big overpass. It's not bad, though, because I've been here not quite a week yet. And I was just trapped in city <laughs> before this, so at least this is something. And there's kind of a for real mountain in the distance that I have not managed to get to yet, but that's something, something to do. But basically, let's talk about Japan for a sec. Japan is amazing, dude. <laughs> I cannot recommend it enough. It is very, very worth it to visit Japan. I know it's very far away and the plane tickets are expensive, but it is worth it. I kept thinking that being in Japan felt like a dream right up to the last fucking day. And I'm still putting out my, uh, my new podcast, Roaming Holiday. There's a link at keithcourage.com. Or I guess, I don't know, if you search Roaming Holiday Keith McNally, it'll probably come up. I recorded a shit ton of stuff while I was in Japan, so I'm just going to be putting those out. Now it's like a little, uh, <laughs> a little like, uh, memory of Japan thing. But I kept talking all the time about like, man, how is this real? How am I really here? What is going on? And it's like, am I exaggerating? Have I just become some weird Japanophile? But then when you're not in Japan... No offense to South Korea, but I'm afraid I am going to shit on South Korea a bit. <laughs> it's so not Japan. I mean, it's not Korea's fault. Nowhere is Japan. There's nowhere like that. And it's so starkly evident once you leave and you're somewhere else and you're like, oh, yeah. This doesn't feel like a dream. This feels very real. <laughs> this is too real. This is just a normal place. This is just normal life. I mean, I have, uh, I did a little research on this topic and I've seen quite a few people say for places to live, you know, if you were going to live permanently or for a long term in South Korea or in Japan, there's a lot of arguments for South Korea because it's much more relaxed, you know, there's not insane bureaucracy. You can just actually get things done, <laughs> you know. People described it as kind of a mix of Japan and China, where Japan is so mega regimented and China, no one gives a shit about anything, <laughs> you know. So Korea is like a nice middle ground of like, it's still an Asian culture but it's not as uptight as Japan, and it's not as just completely uh, devoid of human rights and uh, sanity like China. And I think that's probably true. I could see that argument. But just as a visitor, as someone who's just here to visit, just here to soak in the vibe, not having to deal with anything logistical or official, no paperwork, no nothing like that, Japan is insanely beautiful, and Seoul, anyway, I mean, I can't speak for the whole country, obviously, but uh, it's a huge come down. Tokyo versus Seoul, like, holy jeez, come on. Really what uh, Seoul reminds me of, to a remarkable degree, 
is a big American city. And I'd heard that. I'd heard that uh, South Korea is kind of into America. They think America is kind of cool and they want to kind of be like America. They have nailed it, dude, to a T. <laughs> Where if you just dropped me in Seoul, like say I didn't have my glasses, I would absolutely think... I wouldn't think I was in Manhattan. Manhattan definitely has a unique flavor. But the other boroughs of New York, or like Philadelphia or something, I would 100% think I was in a big American city. And then as I squinted a bit and started to notice the signs, I would think, okay, I must be in Koreatown, but I would still think I was in America. Like, it would take a long time for me to figure it out. <laughs> it's spot on. It feels just like America. Even like, uh, you know, they have all the... They have a lot of the same convenience store chains and stuff as they do in Japan. But in Japan, the convenience stores, it's like... Even the fucking convenience store is a magical wonderland. It's just so fun to go in there and check it out. Where here, it feels like a little creepy cramped bodega <laughs> in fucking New York. And I mean, there's a certain amount of just uh, haze in the air. And just maybe a certain feeling of griminess that is not soul's fault. I looked into that too, and it's just because of the geography of it. It's surrounded by mountains on three sides. So this like haze of dust blows in every year and can't really get out. So I'm not faulting them for that. There's nothing they can do about that. However, what they could do something about is the garbage. There's garbage everywhere. That's one of the huge things that makes it feel like New York is just trash on the streets everywhere. And it's just like, God, what a, what a bummer, what a downer. I think I even said it, the first episode of this podcast I did when I got back to Japan, I'm pretty sure I brought up that idea that when you're outside in Japan, it feels like you're still inside. Because it's such a, such a bizarre feeling of like, man, I could eat off the ground out here. It just feels like an extension of my house or something but I'm outside walking on a public street. How is this possible? And you know, Japan famously doesn't even have garbage cans publicly available because you just deal with your own garbage, <laughs> you know? If there's a garbage can in public, that's just an opportunity for it to get overfilled or for someone to not properly use it or just, I don't know, garbage begets garbage. And I'm not quite sure how garbage pickup works in Japan. I know every Airbnb person in Japan left a note, literally all of them, left a note praising me for how well I dealt with my garbage. Because apparently it is a to-do. Apparently garbage in Japan is a huge pain in the ass. But whatever they're doing, it keeps it off the streets. Where here, much like America, you know, there's just garbage pickup. I say America. We'll say New York, because New York's where I lived for a year and a half. I know how New York works. There's garbage pickup every day. Hence, you can leave garbage out every day. Hence, there's garbage every day. Hence, it's just gross. <laughs> and in the case of New York, and then it leads to rats and stuff, definitely Seoul is better than that. I mean, by big city standards, Seoul is probably great, actually. It's probably a really clean city. But compared to Japan, it's like, fuck, <laughs> this is the... Instead of like, in Japan, I could just go outside and walk anywhere, in the city, in the country, anywhere I walked, it just was like a wonderful day, just like a wonderful adventure where before I found this little semi-wooded park mountain thing, <laughs> I don't like walking around Seoul. It's not pleasant. It's, 
It could also be the neighborhood. You know, I got to explore more. I'm by Hongik University, which I guess is kind of like a cool nightlife place. So there's like DJ clubs and shit. So there's like graffiti. And I don't know if there's graffiti anywhere else. That could be specific to this neighborhood. But I've wandered far enough that the garbage thing, it's just how it is. There's just garbage everywhere. Every little alleyway, every little corner that there could be garbage. Maybe if I really get deep into the suburbs, it won't be like that. But yeah, it's like, it's not fun to just go outside and walk for the sake of it. You gotta have a goal. You gotta have somewhere to go. But my 90 days in Japan was up. I had no choice. I had to leave. I didn't want to. <laughs> Technically, I could probably... There's like a thing where you can go back if you have a visa in good stead and you can prove that you uh, aren't working in Japan and you have, you know, money in the bank. I could probably go back and get another 90 days. It's one of these weird things that there's no official rule about, but they would probably let me in. But uh, I'm leaning away from that just because it is so unsure, which is weird to just roll into a country and hope it all works out. But also, at that point, you've done your 180 days of the year and you really do need to fuck off for like a, a fairly significant amount of time to reset the system. So you don't seem like you're just some kind of, a, you know, visa dodger who's trying to just sneak into the country. So right now I'm leaning toward that I think I would rather keep things uh, more flexible. Like whenever I'm ready to go back to Japan, I want to just be able to go back with no worries. No, no worries that I'm exceeding the amount that I'm allowed to have for a visitor visa. Or if one of my friends happens to be able to go to Japan, say, I want to be able to just go along with them. I don't want to be locked out. Like, ah, oh, darn, I can't go, you know, because I got to wait for another year before I can go back, yada, yada. And 90 days, I mean, it was a long time in Japan, you know? It's like, you know, how greedy is it to, like, stay longer than three months? Three months is a big visit. So it's in that middle zone of, like, I didn't want to leave, but I do still just want to be a casual visitor. I don't want to start learning the language and trying to move to Japan and all this. I'm happy to just visit, you know? <laughs> it's just this one visit after all the time waiting through COVID, after the four-year break. Man, it's just like, oh, I just wanted to drink it in. And I did. I mean, I really did so much stuff on that trip. It's like nuts. So now I just gotta, <laughs> I just gotta accept that I'm done for now. Japan will stay in my rotation, hopefully for the rest of my life. So just whatever, just chill out, relax. You'll be back eventually. Don't worry about it. So South Korea, two hour flight, very close. Let's look at the upsides to this. <laughs> it's uh, very close, easy to get to. I'd never been here, so I was like, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe it'll be just as good. Maybe it'll be a surrogate Japan and I'll like it just as much. And I just didn't, you know, right away I knew, like, oh no. I think if this was like the first big city I'd ever come to, I would probably think it was really cool. Because that's what happened with New York. I visited New York a couple of times and I thought it was great. So I'm like, yeah, I'll move there. Fuck it. When the opportunity arose. But then I realized it was way different to go for the weekend and go to bars with your friends and hang out. Then once you live there and it's like, oh geez, <laughs> just to leave the house and go buy some milk, I gotta wade through a sea of trash, angry people. <laughs> I fucking hate this. <laughs> so I felt that right away here. It's like, no, okay, I know this feeling. Not the angry people, the people are very polite, but the, the wading through trash, I just can't do it. Mentally, I just can't be happy in a place that's full of garbage. I just can't do it. 
And you know, big Canadian cities aren't the cleanest place in the world, but they're way cleaner than this. Again, this is, yeah, this is the American model. No offense South Korea, no offense America, but I can't pat you on the back for cleaning up your garbage unless you clean up your garbage and you don't. So that's just the unfortunate reality. <laughs> but the upside, very close. And I'm just staying at this little men-only dorm that is so cheap. It's like $16 a day. The only downside is there's not nearly enough showers for the amount of uh, places and rooms that are there. So I gotta squeeze in a shower whenever possible. Like today, my shower unfortunately was at the tail end of the hot water. Quite a chilly shower, but you know. For that price though, it's like, hey, I, I like to not have to worry about the expense, you know? Like maybe this isn't gonna be the best time in my whole life, but I'm also not paying for it. Like that's one thing that really galled me about New York. New York is not cheap crazy expensive and terrible. <laughs> like, why am I doing this? <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe Seoul's not gonna be my favorite place, but man, that's very affordable. That's nice and relaxed. And another great thing, I gotta give South Korea huge props for this. I love this. Canadians get a 180 day visitor visa here. And I was researching it a bit and I think we're the only ones. <laughs> like everybody else seems to just get the standard 90 day that most countries give other countries. But I, I don't know, it's like, I guess maybe they just recognize like, yeah, we never have problems with Canadians. Canadians are cool. Let the Canadians stay for six months. So I don't know that I will stay for six months. If I do, it will certainly not be in Seoul. Like I, I did read even like, like don't, uh, don't base everything on Seoul. Like just go to Busan even, the second biggest city. Still big, but it's on the coast. It doesn't have the weird uh, dust getting trapped problem and it's just smaller and less crazy. So it's like, all right, maybe. If I do stay for six months, I will certainly explore more of the country. But for now, I'm here for like a couple of months. I just booked a couple of months <laughs> in this super cheap dorm. And it's like, all right, here we go. Here's where I live. And I mean, it's kind of neat too, where I've just got this little teeny room. It's like a little, you know, it's like a little prison cell. <laughs> it's probably smaller than a prison cell, but I don't care. It's what I had in Yokohama when I left uh, Japan. Like, I don't mind a small room, I don't care. And uh, this place is so centrally located, like you just walk out of the house and it's big time lights everywhere. That's funny too though, as far as the America thing. Again, I don't know about other neighborhoods, but this neighborhood I met by Hongik University, you walk out the door and there's a Burger King and then on the strip, on the street that I'm on, literally six or seven Starbucks. I couldn't believe how many. And then there's way more than that. But I mean, only on that one street even, there's that many. And there's uh, Dunkin' Donuts and there's Popeyes. Like, it just feels like America. <laughs> it's like, all right, all right. But yeah, that's the big upside is it's not expensive for me to stay here and it's very relaxed. I can stay here for a very long time. So I was like, all right, let's work with that. I mean, what are my other options here? I can't really go back to Japan. Maybe, but I'm probably, you know, again, probably gonna let that one lie. Keep it, uh, keep the option open for later. I can stay here for a very long time. And one thing with Japan is because I love it so much and I was so missing it so much after all this COVID time that, like I said last episode, my writing really fell off in Japan. By the end, by the last couple of weeks, I had just stopped. I just wasn't writing at all. Because every day I would get up and go on an adventure. Like I recorded episodes of my travel podcast every day 
for 90 days. <laughs> if I missed a day ever, it was only because I had like food poisoning. And every day there was a new adventure to have. And like I was, man, I expanded the scope of what I was comfortable doing in Japan like crazy. Literally up mountains and then traveling to the coast and just all over the place. Turns out if I go above 500 meters on a mountain, <laughs> on a steep ass mountain, I start to feel pretty scared. It's creepy. <laughs> and if you go to like Okutama, the mountains get way fucking higher than that. But yeah, just having literal adventures every day is like fucking nuts. To the point that like I'd have days where even by the end of that one day, thinking back to just that morning was like, was that today? All this stuff happened today? How is this fucking possible in this magic wonderland of Japan, you know? <laughs> where literally, even if you just walked around Tokyo and went to convenience stores, you'd have a pretty great time. But once you start going out into nature and stuff, it's like, fuck, this country has everything. It has everything. It has so much amazing shit that by the end, I was like blasé about waterfalls and big magical looking temples. Cause it's like, ah, eh, whatever. I've seen you before. I've seen plenty of you, <laughs> you know? Like I was starting to take it for granted. It's fucking nuts. Place is amazing. Again, maybe not to live there for real, for real. <laughs> maybe to have a society that unique and that regimented, maybe living within that society is a goddamn nightmare, but to visit, just the best place in the world, easily. <laughs> like, it's not even close. But because I was living this life of adventure, yeah, I was getting nothing else done. Really having a hard time holding on to the writing habit, and then I, I did, I just let it go. I'm like, whatever, I just don't care. Like, this is my last chance to be in Japan for a while. I just want to drink it in. I just want to <laughs> drink in the experience as much as I can at the expense of all else, it's fine. So I thought, all right, change of venue. Now I'm in South Korea. Now I, uh, you know, I'm down to earth. This is not magical, this is not a dream world. This is just a garbage filled city with a bunch of people in it. It's extremely normal. But the upside to that is, now I can uh, go inward instead. I won't be going out adventuring that much, I don't think, because I can't imagine where I would want to go. <laughs> you know, I can't, it's just not, it's just not the same here. But, it's cheap, I can stay for a long time, it is comfortable, it is relaxed, it is easier even just to talk to people in English and stuff. There are many upsides in that way. And I'm literally on this street with seven Starbuckses, like, you know, why don't I just do that? Let's just make that the new thing. Forget about adventures. I had my three months of adventures. That's fine. Now let's just adventure inward. Let's get back on the horse with riding. My first thought was I should just go up the street and go to every Starbucks <laughs> and just stop at every Starbucks all the way up the street and do riding at each one. Because with that number of coffee shops, it also seemed like they weren't that busy, like there was a lot of spaces to sit and stuff. But that's because the first night I arrived, it was evening already. It's not really coffee drinking time. During the day, it is a little tougher to squeeze in, but I did kind of make that my journey. Let's just explore coffee shops. Let's just find places to go. Good old Starbucks. I mean, you just can't really go wrong. Like even in Amsterdam, I went to Starbucks a lot because it's just, <laughs> you know, they have a lot of space. They don't mind if you just sit there all day. 
And again, like I said, I'm done adventuring. <laughs> I don't need to adventure while I'm here, so who cares, Starbucks. And then also I found this South Korean chain just called Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf that uh, was even more so empty a lot of times. Though the washroom culture is a lot more annoying around here. Far fewer washrooms. And you know, the, the similar to Amsterdam, like you gotta get a little code on your receipt to unlock the door to the washroom. And it's like, oh man, I miss, <laughs> you know? It sounds so shallow to praise Japan for all of its public washrooms, but it's really convenient and really nice. And if you do just wanna leave the house for the day, it's a lot simpler when you don't have to worry about where a washroom is. But I think a lot of it is also just part of that regimented thing Japan has going on. The same thing that keeps garbage from accumulating on the street is the same reason why I think they can have just public washrooms all over the place that are, that are not vandalized and everything's fine. I have no idea if South Korea could get away with that or not, but, but they ain't trying. But also I didn't do the uh, <laughs> going to a million coffee shops because it's a little tricky with the money. Like in Japan, you basically have to move the decimal point two points over to get the Canadian price. Although it does line up almost exactly. Just coincidentally, the Canadian dollar weaker than the American dollar. So it lines up really close to Japan. Same thing here. It lines up really close, except here it's three decimal points. It's a thousand won to a Canadian dollar. So it's very confusing having to do the mental math of moving the decimal point three places over to figure out what something costs. I had to like check my bank statement to be sure, but I'm like, yep, okay, I thought that, uh, I thought that latte was $7, and it was. <laughs> it's like, yikes, that's a little pricey. Like everything else is nice and cheap. The accommodations are cheap, the flight was cheap. The coffee is uh, frightfully expensive. And I was like, well, maybe it's just because I got a latte. But no, if you get a drip coffee, it's five fifty, <laughs> you know. But I had to remind myself, it's like, yeah, but that's because you're really not just paying for the coffee. If you buy that coffee and walk out the door, yeah, that's crazy. But if you're just paying for office space, I do wish it was a little cheaper, but hey, whatever, dude, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. And it's not so different. Like this uh, coffee bean place, I looked at little reviews on Google and they would say like, yeah, this place isn't so bad. It doesn't get too busy usually. Unfortunately, it's very expensive. But then someone else mentioned, you know, as the years have gone on, coffee bean is still the most expensive, but not by much. All the other places have raised their prices and seven bucks for a latte is not that different. And it's like, yeah, that's true. I mean, I was just at a Starbucks today and it was like, you know, six, 650, whatever. It's not that much of a difference. It's just, it's just expensive no matter what. But between the expense and, uh, and the washroom thing, it's just really messing me up. It's just a lot easier to go back to my my little dorm Airbnb because it's right in the neighborhood. And then once I'm back there, I don't just stop in to use the bathroom and leave again. I tend to just stay home once I get home. So I haven't even done two coffee shops in a day. I've only done one. But I think I should, I don't know, I'm gonna at least try to work it into two. If I could find some way to make this a little less pricey, because like seven bucks a day for coffee, it's gonna add up, that's insane. But $14 is super insane. I don't know, I just but it's a little too cold to do writing outdoors and stuff. I don't know, I'm not sure yet what to do about that. But I guess the surprising thing, which I've said a million times on this podcast, and I mean, I'm tired of hearing myself say it, but it's just how it is, is even now that I've completely flipped the switch, it's like, okay, no more exploring, very little. You know, every day I explore a little bit, that's how I found this park. You know, I'm stretching out just a little bit, 
subway rides are cheap here too. It's like a buck fifty for a subway ride, which is nice. So, you know, maybe I'll start hopping on the subway. I was thinking maybe if I could find some coffee shops just a little further from here, across the river or something, because since I am by a university, it is kind of a lot of student-y people. If I could get into a slightly chiller neighborhood, that wouldn't hurt, like with a bit fewer people. So, you know, I'm gonna start exploring a little, little further every day, but I spend so little of my time exploring. I really am just doing the thing. All week I've been doing the thing. Just go outside, go to a coffee shop, find one that's not too busy, plunk her down and fucking write. And even under these conditions where I'm like, uh, I'm encouraged to stay inside. I'm encouraged to just sit at the coffee shop and work because I don't really want to go out and interface with this city. And I got nothing to go back home to. It's just a tiny little dorm room just there for sleeping. I still can't believe how little I'm getting done every day. <laughs> you know, It's the same old refrain from this podcast over and over, just a little bit every day. But yeah, it's just like, fuck, like, I'm still only getting a little done every day. And I just, I would be so interested to hear a podcast by someone who's a productive writer. How do you fucking do that? I've been doing this for years now, and I've never figured it out. And I really don't think I ever will. Like, I get some work done on, on Explode, on my main novel. And then that's it. But my, my feeling was, or my hope was... Hey, if this is what I'm going to do while I'm in South Korea, if I'm just going to be a coffee shop writing guy, if like this is now number one on my list of things to do every day, which it has been, hey, I can work on multiple things. I started helping one of my friends work on a comic book script he had, and that fell off as well. I'm like, ah, I can get back to that. I haven't gotten back to that yet. All I'm getting done is a bit on Explode, and that's it. And it's like, fuck, man. These are like optimal conditions. Almost. The only thing that would make it more optimal, I guess, is if the coffees were half as, half as expensive and it was easier for me to justify going to a bunch of different coffee shops throughout the day. But basically, basically I'm doing it. I, this is it. This is like writing is my number one job right now. And that is what I'm doing every day. And I'm still getting nothing fucking done. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I just don't know how to get more writing done. I never figured it out. I don't know why I'm surprised. This is how it always is. This is how it has always been. What even episode is this? 150 something? I don't know. <laughs> it's been years, years and years and years that I've been doing this podcast and I just can't get a lot of writing done every day. I cannot. I don't know how to do it. It's wild. But that being said, I mean, a little bit is getting done. So uh, I'm at the point now in the book where you know, there's only really the two characters, the Surratt the Rhino Girl and Qualum the Jellyfish Boy. And Qualum is, is out of there. He's out of the book. I just finished today this part where uh, they're having a bit of an awkward standoff. And then Qualum starts to, like, flow away because he's a weird jellyfish guy. But in a way she's never seen before. Like, he just abandons all, all pretense at being bipedal. He moves in this weird way she's never seen one of his species ever move before and kind of realizes like, oh man, even that, like even just the way people move around the station has been kind of a show that if they just truly act like they truly are, they are just crazy alien compared to her. They're not even close to being a bipedal being. And she's kind of like in a little repulsed trance. Like she can't take her eyes off of it. She's just like, whoa, like I haven't, I thought I was getting used to these, these creatures. 
I haven't felt like this in a while. Like, look at that thing. <laughs> and then because she's a little bit in a trance about it, she sort of doesn't clock right away that he's, he's out of there. He's leaving. He's not coming back. That was it. That was their final moment. And she sort of missed it. She's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Should I have said something else? Should there have been more to that? But she well, like she can't go run after him or anything because, you know, she's about to blow up his whole space station. <laughs> he's, he's, it's clear that he's not her friend anymore. He's not able to stop it, so all he can do is leave. But, but yeah, like, what's she, what's she supposed to say? What, what could she possibly do? This awkward, strange final moment is really the, the best she could ask for. It's really all she deserves, <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh, fuck, he's, he's gone. I missed the moment, kind of. Anyway, I just wrote that today. So he's gone now. He's gone. We're that close to the end. She's the only one left. So it is still going. It is still moving. But yeah, that's all. I'm just surprised. I'm so surprised at how little I'm getting done. It's like, fuck me, man. <laughs> it doesn't matter if I'm in very optimal writing circumstances. Like, optimal in a, in, the, like in a way that they can't even be back home. Because here I am, just like that, this weird external pressure to, to just stay in my brain. <laughs> Go retreat into your brain. Go retreat into your writing. Nothing to see out here. And yeah, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Soul might grow on me. I think putting very little uh, pressure on it is a good thing very low expectations and I mean hey if this is all I want to do is just go to a coffee shop and and write and then come back to my little bunk I mean it's it can do that for me you know this is not the land of adventure but this could be the land of writing so we'll see but yeah it's still just just a pitiable amount that I get done every day it's like fuck can't believe I haven't figured out a better way around this but I have not I kind of wanted to just end with a little quick story of leaving Japan, what that was like. The magic of my final day. But I've run out of park. Coming down to traffic, sirens, the whole to-do. So let's just take a little wee break because I do just want to end off with one more quick story. But yeah, I'll uh, pop back in once I find another quieter spot. Alright, time warp ahead, about half an hour. I would say, very gradually, it does seem like this city is, uh, it's like revealing itself a little bit. <laughs> it's kind of coming together. So the overpass that I could see from, from my previous mini mountain, turns out there's like a stream and a path that goes under it. So it's kind of like a nice little, little teeny mini river with like flat rocks that you can walk across to go on either side of the river and stuff. It's kind of nice, but at the same time it's under a giant overpass, so it's not <laughs> super nice, but I don't know, it's something. But a little beyond that, I found this thing that's like an artificial waterfall, it's called. Which I don't know what makes it artificial, because I mean, it's water tumbling down rocks. Looks pretty, <laughs> looks official to me. Maybe that means that they diverted water or maybe they're like literally pumping water to make it happen maybe that's what makes it artificial I don't know anyway near that now I'm on this more proper mountain that I would always see in the distance 
And it's a lot more developed than I expected. You know, it's got the little hiking course symbol on Google Maps, but it's all like paved paths and real steps. And like, it's all, it's not really like a mountain so much, but it's not bad. It seems kind of a, like Mount Royal in uh, Montreal. It's probably a bit smaller than that and more developed, but I mean, it's not like Mount Royal is especially rugged either. But this is nice. It's like, okay, this is something. So from my little Airbnb, I don't actually have to walk too far down Starbucks Row, hang a left at the Popeyes, <laughs> you know, weave through the fucking random strewn about garbage. Doesn't actually take that long to get to the beginning of the longer park which is kind of neat because it is such a big tall ridge of a mountain that's just sitting in the middle of the city can walk along that get some kind of cool views and then from there it's again only a little little bit of a walk through super city town to get to this other much bigger mountain so yeah this seems okay <laughs> you know just for something something to go to something to do that's not just uh bright lights and <laughs> city fucking shit. Giant LCD screens and advertisements. So even if this is, uh, if this is all I got, this is okay. And yeah, I'm sure I will keep exploring little by little. But yeah, this is better than what I thought when I first got here. I was like, geez, there's nothing here. <laughs> there is nothing but city. So it's nice that there's a little something else. But yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know, the thing I was going to end with is, uh, well, I was actually going to start with this story just as a comparison of what it was like to swap from Japan to South Korea. I guess, I don't know, maybe it's like, it's almost like a little mean, I don't know. It's like, hey, I'm here now, I'm in South Korea. South Korea is the country that took me in. They'll let me stay for six months. Maybe it's a little mean to be directly referencing like, oh man, I wish I was in this other place. This other place was so amazing. <laughs> but just real quickly, so my last full day in Japan, I was way down in Yokohama, which is south of Tokyo. But I thought if there's one thing I can do before I go, what would it be? And it's that I wanted to go hiking in Western Tokyo. So I got on the train from Yokohama. Oh man, am I forgetting the names already? I am, I'm already forgetting the names. Anyway, <laughs> I took a train out west, then north up to Ome Station. Pretty long ride, couple hours, but it's amazing that you can get that far just on the uh, public transit system in Japan, just with your little, uh, your little subway card. It's like, holy crap, I'm way out here now. Because there's this place called the Ome Hills Hiking Course, just north of Ome Station. And you walk along this mountain ridge for, you know, as long as you want. You can do it all afternoon if you want, or you can bail out at each, uh, whenever it lines up with a subway station, there's always an exit to the course. <laughs> so I didn't quite go the whole way because the last fifth of it is like a for real hike gets real steep, you go up an actual mountain. Kind of difficult, so I only did four-fifths of the journey. But it's just so beautiful, like, it's just so easy to get to. 
and you're walking along and you mostly just meet old people, I guess because it was just a random afternoon. It was like a Tuesday afternoon. But they're just hiking along and you get these views through the trees that would just blow your fucking mind. You're just seeing the little town below you and the mountains on both sides of this ridge are just so enormous and beautiful. But anyway, I was hiking along and just literally every time I could see through the trees and see into the distance, like I just kept having that thought of like, how is this real? How am I not in a dream right now? And that's where I thought maybe I had built that up in my mind a little because I visited Japan right before COVID. So I literally would, to get myself to fall asleep at night and stuff, I would just walk, you know, like mentally walk through places I'd been before. I did sort of treat Japan like a waking dream. So I thought maybe that's, maybe that's what was happening. Maybe in my brain everything seemed more dreamlike and more magical because I had developed that habit. But no, I mean, now that I've left, I mean, it, it just really is like that. There's just the, uh, not just the society stuff about Japan and I was like, oh, well, it's not garbage. I mean, it is quite remarkable, but, but even just the terrain of a volcanic island, it's just nuts. It's, it's like Tokyo is pretty flat. But even once you just get out west, even the difference from Ome to Okutama, Okutama is like the very end of the train line, the mountains are so high and so steep and the ravines down into the rivers are so deep down. And it's like, this is, this is crazy terrain. <laughs> and for it to all be so close to civilization, the buildings just spill up onto the mountains. So you don't have to like trek far away. In North America, you know, we got mountains and nature and stuff, but you kind of got a journey to get there. In Japan, it's in your backyard. It's just right there. Anyway, insanely beautiful. And then I got to the second to last exit of this, this hiking trail. And it's like, okay, I got to go down this one now. And I'd done that one one time before from the opposite end. I started there, so I knew, I knew basically how to get down there because it's just like either continue on or go down into these... These woods that could be out of a grim fairy tale. It's like, really? I'm supposed to go down there? So I was glad I'd done it before, just to <laughs> be on the safe side. But yeah, going down, down that path. And sometimes there were joggers and stuff there, but that day there was nobody. There was just me. And like, by the time I was halfway down, it's like I'm surrounded by, by the woods on the side of this mountain. Everything is just beautiful beyond fucking description. And yet, you know, like just a little bit further below me is a drink machines and a train to whisk me away. It's just everything. It's just everything I could ever fucking want. But I knew that was the last day. The next day, I mean, I just had to get up and go to Haneda and fly here to Korea. And yeah, just because of like the combination, the one-two punch of it just being so beautiful. And it's like, here I am, like I'm here right now. I'm inside the dream. And it's about to end. Tomorrow I gotta leave. And even just, yeah, describing it now, I feel a little like... A little tightness in my throat. <laughs> so I don't mind admitting that on that day, all by myself in the woods with no one around, I was just a crying man. <laughs> I did not want to leave. So yeah, then to whiplash effect the very next day, hop on a plane and to come to Seoul, 
you know, it's like maybe this is a bit unfair. Like I was saying, if Seoul was the first big city I ever came to, I'd probably think it was pretty cool. You know, I'm sure people from Seoul are like, hey, pretty cool, right? Isn't this, isn't this place sweet? But it's like, dude, I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> but yesterday I was in a dream. Perhaps I'm uh, holding, holding Seoul to an unfair, unfair standard when I'm comparing it to like the most beautiful place I've ever been in my whole fucking life. <laughs> but, but yeah, this is not the most beautiful place I've ever been in my whole fucking life. So, all right, sun's on its way down. Hazy sun in the sky. I'll have to explore this little mountain more later. But anyway, there's the latest update. <laughs> like I said, dude, Japan, man. <laughs> if you're gonna travel anywhere, just go to Japan, it's so good. For song of the day, this is like a weird little song, but uh, there's this guy, his YouTube channel is Tokyo Lens, this Canadian guy named Norm who just does videos about Japan. He did this video about, uh, it's like an abandoned school in the mountains of Japan that got converted into a coffee shop and uh, like a coffee shop at a hostel or something. And the guy who runs it, he sings this little song about the mountain. And this song really stuck in my head. I love this fucking song. Do what you wanna do on the mountain. Good to get some inspiration. There's no need for hesitation. Whoa, do what you want to do in the mountain. Oh, in this rain, I sing along in free. In the mountain, I'm free. In the mountain, do what you want to do. And do what you gotta do, oh, oh. in the mountain, oh. <laughs> I just walked by some uh, exercise equipment. That is one thing. A lot of these parks have public exercise equipment. That's kind of cool. <laughs> Maybe I should make that part of my routine, actually. That'll probably, that'll probably cheer me up. Come do a little mountain hike, do some exercise. That seems like a pretty good routine. Okay, thanks for listening. I'm sure next time we check in, I'll still be here because again, <laughs> sorry for all my criticisms, South Korea. I genuinely appreciate that you let Canadians stay for 180 days. That is extremely cool. So next time we check in, I will no doubt still be here. <laughs> do what you wanna do in the mountain. Good to get some inspiration. There's no need for hesitation Whoa, do what you wanna do in the mountain Oh, in this rain I sing along in free In the mountain I'm free In the mountain Do what you gotta do what you wanna do